Praise the Lord. Amen. Just want to unload a couple of things because uh, this place always messes me up uh, in a good way. Where's that lady? Denise? Um, you don't have to come up or stand up, but uh, very clearly as they were doing that, what they did with you, kind of a sub banner to the victory is worthy. Um in every way, God wants you to establish in your mind how worthy you are. Because if you don't feel that way, you won't live in the victory. Or think that way, but it comes out in your feelings. And I just saw underneath that, you are worthy, you are worthy, you are worthy. And then I saw, and then I saw, I saw God the Father dressing you in royal gowns. That more than ever before, he's going to make known to you how very much you are royal. And when, when, when we see royalty, even in the earth, we just kind of make way for it. You know, I mean, some people may have an insecurity and think, well, you know, I could never be that or this, that or the other thing. But, but there's going to be way made for you by your royal heavenly father and by the king of kings and so i just want to encourage you with that that in the midst of all that was said god is establishing in you a royal perspective that once you're a royal you don't put up with stuff no you can't treat me that way no you can't say that to me no who do you you know and so that that is coming and that's going to get bigger and bigger not only in your mind but also in how you feel about yourself and walking the victory out that he's provided for you amen amen and, and sir um uh <clears throat> okay so i prophesied this to somebody one other time and it was ridiculous what happened and so the image itself is not any different but i want you to just hold your hands like this no not like this like this okay there is literally angelic messengers bringing huge provision. I heard first abundance, 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 abundance that you have nothing to do with. But in everything that you've already sown into other people's lives and, in, and into your own life and into your own family, at great sacrifice and at great cost to yourself, that no one else knew, keeping a smile and a right attitude. He said, I kept the books. And he said, I heard every conversation you had with me, sometimes upset, sometimes just out of sheer desperate. He said, I've heard it all. And I am sending angelic messengers with abundance. I have kept it all and I'm releasing it now. And the reason your hands are like this is because it's just a point of contact to say, I receive everything. And you just let, the, I want you to say that, I receive it. And I just see piles. It's already here and there's more coming. And in, and in the midst of it, you're going to be giving out. Because you're like, okay, we got five beds. Uh, I, anybody want a bed? Oh, oh, we got we got five dressers here. Anybody want? And and that's not literal to those specific things, but it's at, it's just going to come so much. And he says it's time. 
your due season to reap is right now. Even though you went to great lengths and you said, okay, I've given it all up. He says, no, you just received it all in doing that. Thank you, Papa. Thank you, Papa. And I know you said it, uh, woman of God, I know you said it for the house, but I'm going to say it to you. I've never seen Papa more happy. I mean, in all the prophetic things I get with fathers about him being father, and, and I just hear him saying, well done, daughter. Well done. Well done for now. Well done for where you're going. Keep going. Keep pushing. I'm right there in it with you, and I just see him proud. Just absolutely proud. Proud to call you his. Proud to say, hey, I'm her daddy. Not saying I'm God. I'm her daddy. Focus on you. Thank you, Papa. Just stretch your hands towards her. You have no idea what she's shouldering right now. Father, I just release her. Not from what she's doing, but from the weight that just kind of adds on at times. Father, we just drop it into your hands again. Yes, we have to carry what we carry, but, but no more. And so we release everything that's to be yours to carry. All the weight of those variables that are, that are out of her control. And I pray for supernatural strength and encouragement to come to her beyond what she's known and felt even this day. And we silence again every voice that's not yours that comes so subtly. Every voice that's not yours because we want the clarity to be so clear and every natural voice that's not yours that would bring any kind of confusion to anything, we silence it now. And we release only those voices that she needs to hear in the process of everything. In Jesus' name. And I'll say this of this body, and it's just to encourage. Um, I've come to, I've, I've just come to feel at home here. Uh, I, I really have. Um, and I say this every time, but it's like when you guys worship, there's a prophetic portal. And I don't know if any of you are into the sci-fi thing, but literally, it's like uh, something opens up. In, in terms of, of the heavens. And, and, and as I was praying today, the same thing happened today in my mind, but this time because I've seen about a zillion Marvel Comics movies now in the last three or four years. Now this is, this is solid though, man. You gotta catch this. And, and it's just a continuation of, of how strong this is in this place. Because I travel all over the nation and I'm telling you, the, 
there is a difference in the worship here when it's prophetic. And, and, and y'all are so familiar to it unless you've come from somewhere where it's not like this and then you know, right? But those of you that are growing up as sons and daughters in this, but, but what struck me is, is um, it, and if you haven't, you'll just have to indulge me. Um, when, when I was watching the Thor movies, his home was Asgard, is that right? Y'all correct me, you Marvel comic book nuts. And, 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 and when it, it's the Tetrarch, is that right? The, the Tesseract, the portal, the, the bridge. It's called the bridge. But when it hits earth, it's like a portal. Now here's the interesting thing. When it leaves, it leaves the marks of the kingdom. He ain't getting it yet. Not the earth's kingdom. The kingdom from which came. So what the Lord was showing me is how marked in the spirit this land is. That it's been given to the Lord ever since this building was. But you've taken it to another place and created a portal for heaven to come down here every time you worship. And it leaves marks, not only spirit realm in the earth, but it leaves marks of the kingdom on everybody that gets inside the portal. Come on, that's good stuff, man. So if there's days where you walk in and you need to cross, get under the portal. If there's days when you come in and you need the Holy Ghost... Fresh and new, get under the portal. Listen, Paul said, I wear these marks in my body. What marks? The marks of the kingdom. So when that prophetic portal is open here, all the marks and all the symbols of what that represents are available to you. The natural point of contact is communion. But we come, become so familiar with these things. Listen, you can receive healing in the breaking of his body. You can receive peace in your mind. When he says, remember me, he's saying, remember all that I am. I grew up in a, I grew up in a denomination that said, hey, you got to remember your sin. Don't take this unworthily because it could be death to you. Totally misguided. Jesus said, when you do this, remember who I am. Remember what my broken body and my blood shed really means in your life and use it as a point of contact for your faith. Whatever you need in the spread of that table is available to you. See how familiar we get with things? And because we do it, well, every time I'm here, you do it, so I'm assuming it's every week here. Man, when... When I pastored for seven years, I love baptizing people because I'd fire them up. I'm like, listen, when you go down into that water, that's, that's, that's not cleansing at that point. That's your old man dying. That's anything that you still think's alive. When we put you under that water, it's going to lay there. And when you come up, you come up like Jesus came out. Are you hearing me? And we saw healings. We saw people get baptized in the Holy Ghost. We had to, there was a point where we had to just have people around because they'd come up and pass out and we didn't want them to drown. We just literally have to lift them out like a fish. (laughs) 
I'm not making this up. So here's the, here's the next thing. And this is an encouragement. This is an exhortation. This is not a correction, okay? I'm just piggybacking what your leader said about familiarity. You can get so familiar with the woman of God standing up here and prophesying to you for 20 minutes and everything going electric that in your mind you go, here we go again. Now, this is not correction. I mean, it may be, but it's more exhortation. It's coming from a different voice now. In no way let yourself get in any way familiar with the things of God that go on in here. You can become so familiar with your prophetic portal that you don't let it really have effect on you anymore. Man, when she said about that house, and I've seen this twice, I was already grabbing. As a matter of fact, I was going to stand up here and say, I hope you didn't miss that because I done grabbed. Can you imagine if we all grabbed it and we were all, all had no mortgages, what we could do with that money? I mean, that's what your leader is saying. Okay, it ain't, it ain't about what we can get. It's about what it does for us to fund the kingdom. Does that make sense? So if you're going to shake anything off, shake off that familiarity. Listen, David was familiar enough with Saul that he wouldn't take his life, but he took the hem of his garment. And even in that, his heart smote him. And he repented of it. And so again, it's not different lens now, different voice. It's not, it's not look at us. It's, it's what we represent. We know we're fallible. I'm going to tell on myself up here in the message. I am very touchable. But I also recognize as Shalice did. As she grew and she got under... Some of the, some of the very, we like to believe that every leader we get under, it's going to be for our good in the sense of, hey, they're going to promote us. We're going to stand on their shoulders. But how many of you know, God, well, God's going to direct, God can direct some of us right into a bad leader. Because it will work in us what needs to work and what needs to get out of us for where we're going. But we've got to have the right mindset. We've got to have the right focus. We've got to be like, and, and oh, by the way, just so that I, I'm just, again, to piggyback, everything that Shalise said about a leader and not saying anything, Paul then goes on to say, you know what? We need to submit to each other in the fear of the Lord. So what would happen if we said that to each other, just about ourselves. What would happen in the body if rather than entertaining anything from anybody about anybody, not just a leader? I mean, if you can't do it with a leader, you ain't going to do it with anybody, okay? You know, but I'm just saying, let's take it to the next step where, you know, it's husbands love your wives, wives submit to your husbands. But then above that, it says all of you submit to one another in love as unto the Lord in the fear of the Lord. 
He's just defining it a little more in certain situations. But we should all have that mindset that if somebody comes to me and starts in, well, wait, what? Are, are we all right? Can I just encourage and piggyback the woman of God and just kind of? How much more? Because here's the thing, guys. We establish with our mouth. Both both really good things and really bad things. And I was gonna I was gonna I was gonna share this in the message, but I'll just groove to it right now how real this is. How many of you know? Maybe you have a marriage that's different than mine, but we have two very unique individuals that got married at 36 and 29. And it was our first marriages. So how many of you know we had a few things that we were kind of setting our ways on? And we didn't communicate so well on. Okay, I ain't getting any help. So y'all just, y'all just pray for me as I tell on myself, okay? All right, done lost all of you. And I know the power of words. And I know the power of declaring. And I know the power of creating an atmosphere over my wife and kids by what I say. I know all that. And I try to do it daily. I try to look to God and say, Father, what are you saying? over my wife today? What are you saying over my children today? Because if I align myself and my words with what his words are, how many of you know it may just happen? Now, guys, I just gave you a nugget if you don't know how to lead your home. But my wife and I were having what I like to call intense fellowship. For those of you that can't relate to that, let me translate it. We were arguing. (laughs) And I don't know what was leading up to it, but she looked at me and I I was angry, okay? I'm just, I wasn't frustrated. I, I was angry. And, you know, that's the Christian nice way of saying I'm pissed off, you know. Well, I was just frustrated, Glory. No, you were angry. And I ask you to forgive me if pissed off was a swear word where you grew up. It wasn't where I was, so. So she says in the midst of that, as our emotions are heightening, I'm your wife. And there was all this stuff going on in my head that I was going to create a context for, but all that came out in my anger was, no, you're not. And I walked out. And uh, and about a week later, God's really dealing with me. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes we ought to go back and like end things, but we just move on. And, uh, you know, if that's not you, you're more spiritual than I am, okay? And some of you are, so that's great. Um, but I'm not. And so there were a couple of months, it's probably a quarter that went by where I kept thinking I need to talk to my wife about this. And we get busy 
and when we talked, there was other things. So long story short, all of a sudden the Lord just really dealt with me. When I say dealt, it's like he brought it up in my mind because things were shutting down in me in my marriage. I was progressively getting angrier and angrier. And there was just this constant turmoil. And when the Lord brought it to my attention, I was traveling and I called my wife on the phone. And uh, I said, sweetheart, I don't know if you remember this conversation, but I said, I need to ask you to forgive me because I cursed our marriage. And I said, I really believe that why everything's going on right now, and it wasn't extreme things, but everything that was going on in turmoil and lack of peace and unrest. And when I said that, she, she doesn't she didn't cry a lot. Like, I'm the crier in our family. All of a sudden, I just hear this weeping. And she said, I forgive you. I appreciate it. Because she said, I've never forgotten that. And I said, I am so sorry. There was more, and, and we talked it through. But it released, instantly released something. And so I just want to encourage you. And again, I'm piggybacking. But I really felt like I needed to just share that, that some of you need to go back and sit with the Lord. Because you're trying to figure out why there's this distance between you and your spouse. And why things are, there's just tension and there's not, there's an, does that make sense? Listen, God gave us the power to create and the way that we do that is with our words. And so I just want to encourage you to go back and look at and really more than you look at and try and find like you're the director of this, just sit with the Lord. Quit being your own counselor. You won't get there. Can't tell you how many people come in and sit down with me and we start getting into it and I got to deprogram them from being their own counselor. The minute that you let Jesus be the counselor and you shift that in your brain... You're going to hear all kinds of things from him. You're going to hear him, perceive him in ways that you never have. Is this okay? But I really believe for some of your marriages, and even if you're in a new, another marriage, I believe that some of you need to sit with the Lord and ask him, have I, ever, have I cursed this marriage? Did I curse a previous marriage? Because what you say establishes itself, and it doesn't, bad English, it doesn't unestablish itself until you go back to that point and you deal with it. Does that make sense? Okay, so let's get into my message. So turn in your Bibles or on your tech devices to Mark John. Not, not John Mark, John. All right, John chapter 14. And verse 27. 
Jesus says here, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, nor let them be afraid. You have heard from me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said, I'm going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me, but that the world may know that I love the Father and the Father gave me commandment, so I do. Arise, let us go from here. Part of the, just the title of the message today is peace. Turn to your neighbor and say, be at peace. And see, even in saying that, and I know we as preachers, some of us, we do that just to make sure you're awake. There's such a familiarity to words. But imagine going all in with this guy. And then earlier in the chapter, he says, hey, by the way, I'm leaving. Imagine walking away from a business. Putting everything you are into this. You're all in, you know, you went and got a tattoo. Jesus, the Messiah. Everything about you is all in on this. There's no bridge to go back to. And he says, uh, hey guys, I'm leaving. I mean, think how you'd feel. Now there's all kinds of things he could tell them. And he did. But here he doesn't say, there, he doesn't say power I leave you. He doesn't say, I leave you a manual to set up some kingdom to overthrow Rome. Because that's what they were believing for. Of all the things, he doesn't say, my glory, I leave you. And of all the things that he is about him, the one thing he says is that he's leaving them is peace. And I want to make a case for peace today. Because <laughs> I know how good it is to come in and get under the prophetic portal. And walk out and in two days have no peace. Come on, are you here? Why is that? Well, let's look at the definition and, 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 and get some understanding here of what he's saying and saying peace in this place. The word here in the Greek is arene, and and it speaks of multiple things of peace. It it talks about the tranquility or the peace of a nation. So you've got a bigger picture of peace. It speaks of peace than more locally in a community. It speaks of tranquility and ease in a marriage. 
and then it speaks directly to that which is an individual. Because how many of you know individuals create an institution of marriage which creates community, which creates a bigger community, which creates a nation? And so in that then, I want to focus on this, that peace can be defined as the security, safety, prosperity, and felicity of Jesus. That when he said, peace, I leave with you, he was saying, safety, I leave with you. Security, I leave with you. Prosperity, I leave with you. Felicity. And I tell you, when I was looking at this, I'm like, I have no idea what this word means. Other than the name of a female. Felicity is intense happiness. I am so tired of walking around seeing Christians with pruned faces. Can I just say, I am so tired of seeing that when our government, which is not godly, mandates something for our nation, which is not godly, that we as believers get on Facebook and act ungodly. Well, I'm done. The America's going to hell. Judgment of God's coming on us. Don't you think the judgment of God would have come on this nation when we obliterated a whole nation called the Native Americans? Don't you think God's judgment would have come on this nation when we were killing kids and shedding innocent blood in industries before labor unions in the early 1900s? I mean, do a little history here. There were all kinds of things before an ungodly Supreme Court ruled in an ungodly nation about ungodly practices. So why then do we go ahead and be ungodly? Listen, if we have his peace, we should be intensely happy. I think Jesus just flat out irritated a bunch of folk because he was smiling all the time. There's something wrong with that guy. He's intensely happy all the time. That's why he said, the peace that I leave you is not like this world's peace. Because the world's peace comes externally to us. By doing things, by drinking things, by experiencing things. I used to say happiness is external, joy is internal, but peace is internal. And it should produce an intense happiness in your life where you can smile even if everything around you is falling apart. If the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace. Right standing with him. Well, 
That's a done deal because we didn't have anything to do with his right standing or our right standing with him. He made us right standing with the Father because he did everything right. And God made a covenant with himself. And when you said yes to the covenant, he wasn't making it with you. He made it with his son. And you just jumped into what they did. So if he's in right standing, so are you. So immediately you should have peace. Which means you should smile more. We okay? I'm done off the plantation, man. I'm just... Come on, some of you just need to flat out read Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. You just need a good, healthy dose of smile. Oh, I know, it ain't all the revelations and the shadows and types, but it is the kingdom. So just ask yourself. Am I a happy believer? Come on, I'm, I'm ambient. You know, I mean. Because I know there's people that are believers, but I'm not convinced they're happy. Amen, ouch, or oh my, or all three. Come on now, I mean, you know. There's a scripture that says one of our apostles said, I think myself happy. Come on. Listen, you have the ability to dictate what goes on in your life. It's called your attitudes. Your wife can't change them. Your husband can't change them. Your kids can't change them. Only you can change them. Sometimes you just need to get alone with yourself in front of the mirror or by yourself in a corner so you can hear your head rattle and you need to talk to you. I mean, there's been times where I've walked out for the day, walked back in, talked to myself and apologized to my family. I'm serious. I mean, I just heard myself. Wait a minute. Get it together, blouse. All right, we're going to start over now. Come on. I know you're all more spiritual than I am. You all got this down. You're living in peace because that's why I see all you smiling all the time. My peace, my Safety and my security. Let me help some of you. When you get saved, there's some things that go on and there's some things that don't go on. And I'm particularly talking to the people that have been in this thing longer than like right here. That grew up in a faith. Most of us, if we're honest, we're sold a message that says, you have this circle hole. 
that nothing else will fit. And you've been taking square pegs and trying to push them into that circle. Jesus is that circle peg. And he fits into that circle hole. And he takes away all that emptiness and all of those insecurities and come to Jesus. And you get saved. You come alive. And for a while, everything that's happening turns to gold. I love new believers. Because God does everything for them. I mean, there's been times where I've been sick and I can't get my faith. I go to my church and I go, hey, where's there a new believer? I'll go on your faith, because for whatever reason, it ain't working for me right now. I'm, I'm just being real. But then you get a little ways in, and you wake up one day, and all of a sudden, that emptiness that seemed like was gone is back. And, and, and the anxiety that wasn't there for a while, all of a sudden, seems to be surfacing again. And, 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 and before you know it, you know something happened. You know you're hearing a God and God's talking to you and there's this going on, but what was sold to me really ain't happening anymore. Oh, I know. Nobody want to talk about that, so I will. Because it's an epidemic across the country. And nobody talks about it because everybody thinks it worked for the other person. And if I talk, then. So what happens is when you get saved, your spirit man is made alive to God's spirit. He comes into that place and completely eliminates your spiritual orphaning. Gone. And you're experiencing the life that God always wants you to have as a spirit being completely in union with him. But now you got this thing called your soul. And after your spirit man comes alive for the rest of your life, it's working so that your soul will line up with your spirit man. There's an orphaning in the spirit, but there's an orphaning in your soul. And that orphaning in your soul doesn't go away when you get saved. And so it's not that you've lost that peace, that happiness, that safety, that security, even the prosperity of what was going on when you got saved. It's just now God is starting to move you forward to grow up in your faith. And that means that your soul has to come in alignment with your spirit, which means now we got to do some work. It's still going to happen, but we got these stop gaps. See, when Hebrews says that the word of God is a two-edged sword piercing to where soul and spirit, I was taught that means it separates it. But really it is that the word of God is alive. It's the truth. And it goes to where your soul and your spirit are already separated. And it pierces that. And it brings you back together the way God wanted you in the garden. Does that make sense? So it's not that you're not saved. 
Although sometimes it feels like everything's the way it was before I got saved and I can't feel God, I can't connect to God, basically we're saying, where did that peace go? And so initially, the reason why these sessions that we talk about are so powerful is because the first thing that God usually does is, is He goes to those places where your soul was disconnected from your spirit according to the disconnects that happened in your relationship with your parents. Because the definition of an orphan is anyone who loses mother or father or both emotionally or physically or both. So are you saying that I can have both parents in my house, but because there wasn't any emotional connection, I have the same mindsets as 300 kids jammed up in, an, in a building in a third world country? Absolutely. Because even though we don't live by our emotions, the kingdom of God inside of us connects to our emotions. Peace is not an emotion, it's a kingdom thing. But we experience it through our emotions. Does that make sense? Love, his love, is not an emotion but he's given us emotions so that we can experience what it's like. So all of that was given to us as babies when we come out of the womb through an emotional heart and there were about a thousand wires connected to that heart running you to God. And your parents, unbeknownst to them, were given emotional screwdrivers. So every time they represented God correctly to you, they tightened down those connections. They created a model of who God is and who he should be. And every time they didn't represent God to you correctly, they, put, they, un, they were untightening those connections. And some of us had situations, whether by perception or real things, with the perceptions, where they just put those emotional screwdrivers down, grabbed all the wires, ripped them out, mechanism and all, leaving big potholes in our emotional hearts. Are you here? And then when we got on on our own, those potholes became the lenses by which we view all of life and God. So the reason why mind renewal is so important is because it is going to those places where those events happened. And the mindsets that printed into you and God is reprogramming. And once he reprograms it, then you get connected to God in a way you've never been or you haven't felt since salvation. It's like I'm getting, I can't tell you how many people leave that, that session where God grabs their emotional heart, he heals what was wrong in them, reconnects it so that they can really feel and experience him and they say it's like I got saved all over again. That's part of the peace. It's understanding why I feel like I'm still in turmoil. Why I feel I don't feel safe. Why I don't feel secure. Why I really don't feel like I can trust him. 
even though I don't know who I'd ever be honest and say that to. All of that, even the lack of felicity. It all comes with these disconnects. And the conversion of the soul is a lifetime thing. And, and the more I let God convert my soul, the more peace I have, the more security I have, the more safety I have, the more prosperity I Why do you think, even though it's mentioned as a greeting, why do you think John said, be in, be in health and prosper even as your soul prospers? It's really hard to stand in faith if there's an inner turmoil to believe that I have any faith. It's really hard to trust God in the, in the middle of the electricness of propheticness when I'm sitting there going, but I couldn't trust my parents. And I couldn't trust this leader. See, all through my life, all the authorities that I knew, there was no trust. And now you're saying, just trust God. It's because all the emotional wires were disconnected. That's why you're struggling. And listen, I'm here to tell you, if, if God can take that away in you by calling something out or, or, or you know, pulling a demon out or you know, all these different things I grew up in that didn't work for me, God bless you. But that's not the rest of us. There are programs in your brain that keep you from experiencing his peace. Does that make sense? So when I'm driving down the road and somebody cuts in front of me and takes the space that I think is rightfully mine, and, and I went from, you know, spiritual goosebumps and this is a great day to speaking a foreign language <laughs> and waving the universal one-way sign. I know, y'all pray for me because you're more spiritual than I am. There's a program with that. When I get in a situation and the ends aren't meeting financially and all of a sudden I feel alone or I feel angry or I feel whatever or I, I, I go numb or I, yeah, I get anxious. There's a program with that. When I'm in my marriage and everything's going right and my spouse says one thing to me and, and, and it goes in my ear and goes on my spinner of pain, picks up my pain and comes out my mouth, not in any way the way they intended it, but the way my pain hurt it. There's a program with that. Why do you think Paul says, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, the program, not the actions, not the sinful behaviors, the program, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And it's not saying, cast out every devil you can name. Listen, the programs draw the rats. The garbage draws the rats. So let's decommission the rat patrols and let's let the counselors start talking to the trash that's in. You know, when, when, you're, when the woman of God said, grace, grace, to this mountain, what that really was is, back in the Old Testament, they started throwing the garbage on the foundation of the temple. 
So when he was saying grace, grace to that mountain, he's saying take the garbage off of the presence of God in your life so that you can move forward in who he is. In the New Testament, you're the temple. You're where heaven and earth meets. You're where God is. And your mind is that pile of garbage that we're saying grace, grace to. What are we saying? Let the truth of God come into those programs, eliminate them, reprogram you, then you won't go into a rage. It will literally, it will literally be, you won't even think about going into a rage. You'll just smile. You'll have felicity. Oh, bless them, Lord Jesus. They just cut me off. I bless them in Jesus' name. Come on, I know we're making, you know, but, but. There's something in that. If I can't look at the mountains and have intense happiness and feel safe and secure and know that I'm prosperous even when it doesn't look like it, then there's an element of peace missing from your life. You beginning to see why now? Of all the things Jesus could say to them, he said, peace, my peace, I live with you. Because this world's peace doesn't produce safety. It doesn't produce security. It doesn't produce prosperity. And bless God, it surely will not put a smile on your face. Does that make sense? This peace that Jesus is talking about, it's a freedom from agitations and disruptions or disturbances. My children are working a work in me. Because I can't say that every time I'm in their presence, I am free of agitation and disturbances. Or do I feel felicity? Or hope or any other woman's name you want to say. But when I'm when his peace is coming with through me, what they're doing does not affect me. And it's not just freedom from agitations and disturbances that way. It means in terms of fear terror, anxiety, all the negatives. And let me just say this, because it's something that's not in our thinking. The emotions that I feel in those moments that are not peaceful are not the problem. It's the program that they're attached to that is the problem. I was just praying with somebody the other day and we got to this situation where something had happened in the person's life. And they said, I forgave, I forgave, I forgave. And they started telling me the story of it. And I said, well, that's really not forgiveness now. That's a loss. See, there's this program religiously in our brains that forgiveness takes away everything, and it doesn't. It takes away offense. 
the feeling of injury, whether that's hurt, pain, anger, jealousy, envy, in and of offense, it takes that away. But it doesn't take anything else away. Does that make sense? So as uh, so as we're as I'm losing time now, let me just shift to that. Let me give you five peace stealers, and I could preach a message on each one. So we're just going to highlight them, <clears throat> and and we're going to highlight them because a lot of them you've heard over and over again. But it's not. What's new that sets me free, it's what's true that sets me free. And some of us have become so familiar with the words that we don't engage what's behind it. And let me just say this, because I am I have stolen this, I'm using it. So I was I was talk I was bouncing this whole thing of emotions off of Shalice one day, because I'm 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 in the process of I got an outline together to write a little ebook on this, okay? And she just said to me, she said, Nate, it's really simple. If you can't feel it, you can't heal it. So some of you that pride yourselves in that you have no emotions or you don't feel anything, you're more broken than people that do. And you, just, you don't even know it. So, number one, peace stealer, offense. Offense. The need to forgive. Jesus said offense will, offenses will come. So you shouldn't expect that they won't. The true measure of your maturity is not that you don't get offended. It's how quickly you return to peace and joy once you have been. Does that make sense? Number two. Shouldering the weight of life. Shouldering the weight of life. In John 10, 41, Jesus came to Mary and Martha. And Martha comes to Jesus and says, hey, will you tell Mary to get off her lazy hind end and come help me with taking care of everything? And Jesus says, no, Martha, you're, you're troubled and you're afraid of many things. You worry. You are shouldering the weight of the world, the weight of life. Mary is doing the needful thing. What's she doing? Keeping her eyes on Jesus and staying in constant communication so that the things that Martha had got her eyes on don't take her peace. It's simply this. You are a steward. You are not the owner. Stewardship is about doing something. Ownership is about, sorry, taking all of it and putting it on your shoulders as if you need to make whatever this is happen. Now listen, I can own a business and I can be that owner to my employees, but I can never forget that while I'm an owner to them, I'm a steward to him. God may grace me to be a leader that has an owner's mindset and does all those kind of things in owning the business, but when I turn and face Jesus as Mary did, I don't want to hear him say, Nate, Nate, 
you are worried about so many things with this business, do what Mary's doing here. Sit with me and give it to me. And some of you need to give marriages to him. Some of you need to give people to him. You have, you have owned people. You have owned your marriage. You have owned your job. And it creates a weight that you can't do anything with. And it stresses you. It worries you. It makes you anxious. It, it makes you depressed. You get fearful. You get angry. And you're doing all the conventional things you were taught to get rid of all those emotions. And it's not doing anything. It's because there's a component that I have to verbally understand that I've picked up this person, this business in a way that God wants to carry it and he never wanted me to carry it. And the minute that I say, God, I enacted my will, I turn this business, I turn this person, my spouse, my kids, my marriage, whatever it is, I turn it over to you with the weight that it carries, I literally instantly feel it all go. And all the emotions and turmoil I was having, the lack of peace, it's all gone. Literally, instantly, if that's the problem. Does that make sense? Third, a loss of any kind. It's amazing how many people have a loss of a loved one, a loss of a position, a lost season, and they just bury that thing. And they just keep moving. Listen, there's a weight that comes to your soul. That forgiveness doesn't take away. But again, there has to be an understanding that this is what's happened. I experienced a loss. I feel the weight of that loss. And every time I look back on that person or that thing in my life, instantly... It's amazing, you know, I sit down with people and it's like, oh my, da-, you know, well, how, you, dad's still living? <gasps> I'm thinking, wow, this must have just happened, you know? Okay, well, well, well when did this happen? 20 years ago! We need to get you through that. And all it is is the loss. They can't remember the good of the life or the season or what they experience because all that's in front of them is the loss. So it steals your peace. So that number three, number four, the internal storm of your mind. And I'm not even, I'm just going to highlight that because I just spent about 10 minutes passionately talking about it. It's all those programs that printed into your brain through your upbringing. And listen, let me just say this. We're not attacking the parent. In their brokenness, they did the best they could do because if they weren't broken, they wouldn't have done that to you. But we're not giving them a pass either. See, as adults, we give them passes. Now that we're adults and we can see things different than when we were kids, we go, well, you know, dad was doing the best he could. He did, you know, he tried, you know. And, and as adults, in our adult mind, not in our heart, we, we, we fill in the gaps. Until that moment at home, where our spouse says or does something, 
that pushes the box with that little kid inside that's still wounded from dad or mom off the shelf. And then the box flips and the lid comes off and the kid comes out and goes, ah! I am free at last and you aren't my dad, but I'm going to kick your rear end. We call them unguarded moments because our brain didn't have time to guard the kid. And then sometimes our brains grab that kid and say, shut your mouth, get back in there, duct tape. Kid's going in the box. Get back up there. There ain't any extra pay for that, okay? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And we just roll along again until something happens. Yeah. So I'm not literally saying on the whole that everybody literally has these little kids inside. But watch this. Where you got hurt in that place, you emotionally quit growing until healing can come. Now, if you were eight when that happened, and now you're 28, when God heals it, it's not going to take now till you're 48 for all that to catch up. But that is why, now you can have some understanding, why, though I'm 45, in certain situations with my wife, I act about 16. If I'm lucky. And now you can understand why you do it too. So he wants to calm the internal storm so that you can have peace. And the fifth thing is broken hearts and broken relationships. Do yourself a favor, if you were in a relationship and you're not in it now, don't get back into the next one before your broken heart is not broken anymore. And if you did get in one and you are married again, do everything you can to get that baggage out. See, it's one thing if I get married at 19 to another 19-year-old, I got a little Volkswagen bug with the trunk in the front and I can fit one Samsonite bag in there, you know? from my childhood it's another thing if I'm on my third relationship and I got a 16 wheel U-Haul that I'm now driving behind me everywhere and she's got her own freaking 16 wheel U-Haul how many of you know it's easier to diffuse a Samsonite bag than a whole house full of junk Do yourself a favor. Get a session with Catherine. Clean out that U-Haul and turn the keys in and save yourself some money. Go buy you a nice car that has an empty, you know, no junk in the trunk. And get on with life. Does that make sense? So, there was this demoniac in a cemetery that Jesus cast 
a legion out of. He was cutting himself, running around butt naked, screaming, an embarrassment to the community. You know, we just institutionalize those people now and get them out of our way. And Jesus got a hold of that legion, commanded them, and it says he sat there fully clothed and in his right mind. That right mind there means the silence of peace. I'm not saying you have demons, but some of you have to put music on on headphones in order to go to sleep at night because your brain is too loud. There's some brokenness there, friends. I can't tell you. I prayed with this one kid in ministry three times because he was getting ready to lose everything years ago. Highly intelligent. On the third time, he just sat there with a dead stare out. And I said, are you okay? And he said, I'm not sure. And I said, well, what's going on? He said, I don't know. I said, well, can we be a little more specific, please? He said, my mind's not working. What do you mean by that? He said, nothing is going on in my head. Yeah, because like that's the way my mind is. So I'm like, could I be wrong? So I said, Lord, what what's going on here? And he said, tell him that he is experiencing the peace of God for the first time in his head. It was a side benefit. We weren't focused on that. That was the overflow of his mind being healed was that there was peace. There was no noise. There was no racing. It was calm. So this demoniac sits there in his right mind. Now this is what I'm wrapping up with this. It took, took 2,000 pigs to have the same capacity as one man. Unless you heard that before, you didn't get it. This man, this one man's soul, had the capacity to hold a legion, 10,000 demons. And it took the souls of 2,000 pigs to do the same. Why am I saying that? And I close with this. The reason why you don't take care of things on a regular basis is because you have big capacity. The problem is when you get 30, 40, 50, your capacity is filling up. And some of you wonder why everything shuts down, why your back aches, why your head hurts, why it's all knotted up, why you're on pills, why nothing works. It's because you haven't had an emotional bowel movement. Listen, all five of those things that I just said are backup. Now, you wouldn't go three days not having a bowel movement and definitely not seven before you went to a doctor. 
shoot, I'm here to tell you, if I went seven days, I didn't care what title you have. If you can get that stuff out of me, I'll bend over for you. Because that's pain, my friend, you know what I'm saying? And y'all are going, ah. But listen, listen, I'm doing this for a reason because some of you wouldn't do that to yourselves after seven days. But you'll take 30 years and let all that scabola back up inside of you so that you have no peace that you had at salvation and then you wonder what's going on. It's time to let God show you why you don't have intense happiness in your soul. So just bow your heads with me. Not going to take long. Jesus, will you show each one of your sons and daughters one place where they don't have happiness in their soul? Show them one place. Where do they need to forgive? Where are they shouldering something that they don't need to be shouldering? Where is there a program in their minds that's attached to negative feelings? Where is there a loss that they need to let go of? Where is there a broken heart that you need to mend? As, as Shalice was saying, this isn't a one and done, folks. Because your soul has great capacity to carry a lot. So today, God may not be showing you anything. That's all right, because tomorrow's a new day. But I want you to just pray this with me as a declaration and a release. Just want you to say this, by an act of my will, I choose to forgive. And I release. By an act of my will, I choose to not be the owner. I'm not this person, this job, these employees, my marriage, or the weight of any of it. I release it. By an act of my will, I choose to release this loss. And all the weight of it. And all the sting of it. And I let the loss go. I let that season go. And I let that person go. By an act of my will, I break all ties to that person that broke my heart. And I release them. And the weight of that. And I let it go.